What does a Jesus revival look like? Uh, everyone's talking about revival right now. If you read the articles, people are like, is this a revival? Is that a revival? No, that's not a revival. No, this is a revival. Well, first of all, let me just give you the definition of revival from Webster's Dictionary. It says to return, recall, or recovery to life from death or apparent death. And what I want you to know is the word revival is actually not in the Bible. It's actually not in the Bible. It's something we pray for like crazy, but it's not in the Bible. So there's all these different ways that the term revival is used. In fact, it's used in, in the secular world. So right now, people are saying there's a great revival of pickleball. pickleball. So some of you thought pickleball's new. No, it started in 1965, and it's experiencing a great revival. And, um, and so there's a big pickleball-like thing on the 94 freeway right now. And so that's something that seemed to be dead, coming back to, to life. But let me just explain, in the Christian world, there's lots of different ways that people depicted revival. For me, I grew up traditional Baptist, and so they actually planned. They're like, we're going to have a revival. And what that meant was inviting a guest minister from a different town and asking everyone to come, okay? So that was like one thought. So you might have grown up in a church like that. In the charismatic Pentecostal, they say it's an outpouring of the Spirit where all the gifts of the Spirit are flowing and you're tangibly seeing people's bodies affected. And that's what a true revival is. And then a lot of Protestants say, no, a a revival is where there's a, a, a deep conviction and repentance, a move of repentance like in the Great Awakenings, and then uh, a lot of evangelicals say, no, it's a, it's a time where a bunch of lost people are coming to know Jesus, and, and there's just a great, a great move. So what is it? Well, let me just say we want it all. I mean, besides the pickleball thing. Um, <laughs> we, we want it all. So here is a definition. Let me just put up a definition of what we're believing for, because we believe this comes straight from the Bible. Here's a definition of it. It's a long one. You might want to snap a picture of it so you can know what we're agreeing to believe for as a church family, because this is all straight out of the Bible. A tangible outpouring of the Holy Spirit resulting in the gifts of the Spirit being released in power, transforming the church. How many of you know that the church in America needs to be transformed? We can't just have religious services any, anymore. We can't just be entertaining anymore resulting in the church boldly proclaiming the gospel to the lost and broken, resulting in a great harvest of souls. So we're believing not for just great bless me meetings, but we're believing for a great harvest of people coming to know Jesus. And then leading to scores of people deployed to make disciples and plant churches regionally, nationally, and to the ends of the earth. So let me just start with some some. Uh, scriptures on what what I think about the first revival that happened in scripture. It was the Moses model of revival, Exodus 33. So we've been we've been going through the book of Exodus, and and so I just want to go back there for a moment this morning because what happened in the Garden of Eden is Adam and Eve they thought there was something better than the Lord, and so they took this fruit and they sinned, and then God's presence departed from them. They were banned from the garden, and so they didn't walk in communion with God how you're created to walk. And so God set the people of Israel free and then said, I don't want you just free. I want you free to be with me. Let me just say that again. He wants you free to be with me. And so this is what happened in Exodus 33. Then Moses used to take a tent, Selah, 
Think about that tent out there. And pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Say meeting. Who was he meeting with? Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tent, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord would speak with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to the tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, leave these people, but you've not let me know whom you'll send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Then the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. A revival is a time in when the people of God begin to experience the presence of God. Revival is a time where the people of God start experiencing the tangible presence of God. Now, I grew up in a church that didn't teach about the presence of God. So I remember going into my parents' living room, and I was reading a book on prayer where it taught you to actually Ask the Lord to fill you with this Holy Spirit and, and to breathe in and say, Spirit of God, fill me. And I did that, and I started experiencing something I had never experienced before, a tangible, physical presence start touching me from head to toe. And it felt amazing, and it freaked me out. So much so that I jumped up out of my chair, ran upstairs, dove in bed, pulled the covers over my head, and said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for asking for that. I'm sorry for dabbling in weird stuff. I was dabbling in the Bible. You see, one of the things about revival is it awakens us to the Bible. And we start experiencing biblical Christianity because biblical Christianity says in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. When did the joy get sucked out of the church? It's whenever we replace meeting with God with religion. When did his presence get sucked out of the church? Whenever we, we replaced meeting with God with just observation of our old traditions. God wants to restore the presence of God to his church in this day and age, and this generation desperately needs it. That's why they're blowing their minds out with drugs. That's why this, this, our, our nation right now is legalizing drug after drug because people want to escape the pain of their life and they want to feel something real, but the answer's not in drugs, right? And, and that's what people are looking for with all the, the, the gender, gender dysphoria. They're looking for identity. They're going, I need something real. I want someone to love me. Can't you just accept me? And it's only going to be found in Jesus, and Jesus wants to stamp identity, and Jesus wants to make us feel like we're actually loved, but we'll never feel loved until we receive love from Jesus. Yes. Are you following me? Yes. We need Jesus to show up in our churches. <laughs> we need Jesus to show up in our lives. And, and we, ne we need to not judge people. Instead of judging the people that are blowing their mouth out with drugs, we need to tell them, no, actually, there's something a lot better. There ain't no high like the most high. 
Don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would he compare the two? Because one is like the other, but so much better. <clears throat> Jesus gave um, a gift uh, to this region. And um, Southern California, I, I study revivals. Southern California has been a host to more revivals than any area in the whole world. One reason I'm not leaving. You might find cheaper prices, <laughs> but you're not going to find a place that's been visited by the Holy Spirit more. And we desperately need it again. You've heard people say, as goes California, so goes the nation. Well, guys, we need a Holy Spirit revival. In 1903, God visited in what was called the Azusa Street Revival. And what they experienced was so much of the presence of God. And it came, this group couldn't find a church to meet in, so they started meeting in a barn. And, and this precious black pastor named William Seymour, he was marked by humility and hunger. And let me tell you, that's who God loves to visit, is people who are marked by humility and hunger. And they just started crying out for revival, and the gifts of the Spirit came, and the, the presence, people talked about the presence of the Spirit. They actually, you can go back and read the accounts, they actually talk about a cloud of his presence, like the cloud in Exodus 33. There was a cloud of his presence. I've read numerous children's accounts that, that grew up, and they wrote about it, and they said we'd actually like play under the cloud. Now, that's a great day in kids' church. Um, this is documented that oftentimes the ambulances back then, they were horse-drawn. They would go by, they would go out of their way to go by the revival because so many people got healed that they thought, well, we, maybe we should go by because people get healed, and, they, and, and oftentimes they would. Uh, God wants to do the things he did in the Bible. He wants to do them again in our generation. Um, and I can't tell you exactly what they're going to look like, but I, I can tell you that the Bible is full of su supernatural evidences of revival. Let's look at Jesus' definition of revival in Luke 4, Luke chapter 4. Um, Luke 4, 18, Jesus says this is what it's going to look like when the Messiah shows up. And if you need to ever find it, it's on the walls. Um, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Now, you don't want to resist the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, this is how I do my work. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me. That's one of the things that happens in revivals is the Spirit of God starts coming and falling on people. Why? It's not just for a bless me experience. Like, I, I love that people go and, and, and they fill the room for revivals. And, and Sherry Briggs was in the last sermon talking about going to Asbury and how amazing it is. And I, I, I love that. And I'm, I'm praying for that because when that happens, more people get healed and more people get touched and more people get saved. But the Spirit comes on us for why? To proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. What happens is the Spirit of God falls on people and they start boldly preaching the gospel. So last week, the, the, the Spirit was pouring out in our services um, I, I, I had never experienced this. At 8 a.m. before 8.30, someone prayed for me, and I just started crying and crying. And then I got on my face, and my body was just trembling. And for 45 minutes, I didn't get up. I, and, and so I had to turn to Steph and go like, is God moving, or is he just touching me? 
And then I started having people come up and tell me, like one guy said, I came in, I couldn't stop crying. And this is his text to me. He goes, I couldn't stop crying. I don't know what God was doing in me, but I want you to know I'm committed to boldly going and preaching the gospel and laying hands on the people. This guy, came, this, he, got, he used to be in a gang. And this is what he's telling me. One guy said that he, he, he came and, and the spirit of God came on him and he was like, I just had to turn and put my hands on my wife. And I started praying over her, and she started crying. And I was like, what, did you say something mean? And he was like, no. I, I was prophesying about her being bold and being used, and she, she was so touched that she just started crying. When the Spirit of God comes on people, he gives a supernatural release to share the gospel with people. Uh, I, I love what, what Phil Palmer um, sent us a, 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 a text, and then we, we recorded a video, but we're in, in, in honor of time, he, he wrote, guys, I've got to tell you that God's been softening my heart, and I've just wanted to have a softer heart and help people. So I was walking into a, a, a place, and I went up to this, this older homeless man and, and said, I want to help you. And he said the guy looks at him and cursed him and, 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 and called him an N-word, right? Phil's a, Phil's a black guy. This is a white guy. And, and Phil goes, um, can I buy you some food after the guy curses him? And, and, and the guy just keeps selling, and he's like, well, why, why? You know, and, and, he, and he says it again, I hate ends. And, and he goes, I'm so sorry, why? He goes, well, because a black man put a gun to my head and, and tried to kill me and threatened to kill me. And Phil said, in the past, if someone was saying that to me, I would have beat him up. Phil was a tough guy growing up. And he goes, instead, I looked at him, and I apologized to him. I said, I'm so sorry for what happened to you. Can I go buy you some food? And he said he goes in, buys him food, brings it out to him, and, and looks at the guy. And he says the guy is so touched. And the guy looks at, at Phil and says, God bless you. And Phil goes, Jesus is going to use you. You want to surrender your life to Jesus. Jesus is going to start using you. And then Phil said, I, I know a place to get you off the street. Can I help you get off the street? And the guy says, yes. That's what happens when the Spirit of God comes on people. They can, they can curse us and we respond in love. And we can give them food and we can help them. And we can bring them into an encounter with the living God. So let's look at the, the purpose for the power being poured out. Jesus says it's in Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. And you'll receive power. Jesus said this. Well, first of all, in Acts 1 4, he says, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised you. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days I'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 1 4. And then he says in Acts 1 8, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Okay, the purpose of the power is not to just bless me, although I love it. Let me just say, I love when the power of the Spirit starts touching me. And I want to encourage you, ask for the power of the Spirit. It happens when we gather together. It can happen in your own FaceTime by yourself. So ask for it. It's, it's wonderful. It's incredible to be meeting with God. But it's not just about a bless me club. It's for the proclamation of the gospel. And when we proclaim the gospel, people get saved. And I want to tell you, this is such an open generation. Everywhere our people are going and sharing, people are getting saved. Like, I'm getting words about it all the time. Just this week, I was traveling to Atlanta, and everywhere we went, we started talking about Jesus. People were wide open. 
Uh, my, my friend and I were in an Irish pub eating fish and chips, and the tatted up bartender guy comes up. We start talking to him about Jesus. He just wanted to sit and listen, and then by the end, we're telling him how he can give his life to Jesus and, and put our hands on him and pray for him in the pub. Okay, people are open. I get on a plane. This, is, this was my line to, tr- to ask this person so I could start sharing Jesus. You know, We all want to like, well, I don't know how to, how to like talk to people about Jesus. Here's what I asked the girl. Are you a Christian? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. And I was like, so are you like a serious Jesus follower or are you just kind of a cultural Christian? She goes, I'm a cultural Christian. And I said, can I share with you about like how you can know if you're going to heaven? She says, yeah. 10 minutes later, she was giving her life to Jesus. Um, anyone can say, are you a Christian? Like, n- that was not a creative new evangelism tool. People are hungry. They need to hear about Jesus, and there has never been a generation that I've seen that's softer. That we, we just need to open our mouths and talk about Jesus. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. One of my favorite groups in history because revival's been poured out through the centuries. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. It's actually something really old that we desperately need. 1727, there was a group of uh, uh, people called the Moravians, probably about the size of this one room. But what they did is they started praying and saying, God, we're desperate. We want to actually meet with you. We don't want to just do church. And so they started meeting and praying, and God loves to pour out a spirit on people who are praying. And so they were praying, and they had a visitation of the Lord. There were two things that really happened. One is they started loving each other. Wouldn't that be amazing if Christians actually started loving each other? Right? Anywhere the spirit pours out, what you'll experience is love. You'll also experience ethnic reconciliation like Azusa Street in, in a time where America was so divided, it had all the different ethnicities coming together and loving each other. That's actually what we need in this nation, right? That's what God's gonna do to heal our nation. But the, the, the second thing he did is people got such a heart for the loss that they started going everywhere and sharing the good news, right? They started going everywhere and sharing the good news. Their hearts were so broken for the loss that at a time of great slavery and the slave trade around the world, that some of the Moravians knew that the slaves could not be reached, so they actually sold themselves into slavery to end up on the plantations of the new world so that they could be bold witnesses, so that these people could find hope in the midst of their suffering and spend eternity in heaven. Staggering. This is what Jesus does in people's hearts. It's why we need a revival. And so Jesus says that in Acts 1.8, and then it goes on to Acts 2. And so we have Jesus' definition or Jesus' purpose, but then we actually have Jesus' example. It's Acts chapter 2. So just listen to Acts chapter 2 for a second. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. Here's my concern, that if this happened today, most modern churches would kick the disciples out of their church. They'd be like, hey, we don't allow tongues of fire in here. That's, you know, 
And, and then someone would stand up and say, uh, uh, the, the sound of a blowing violent wind. Um, can you tell the sound man to turn down the Holy Spirit, please? Right? And then everyone stands up and speaking in tongues in a different languages. Someone would stand up and say, hey, God's a God of order. So can you tell all those people to stop speaking that excellencies of God in that supernatural language? Right? There's... There are numerous churches, and, and my point isn't to denigrate other churches. That's, that's not my point. My point is to say, uh, but let, let me say this, that I grew up in a place where you couldn't speak in tongues. And the Bible says, don't forbid, this, the Bible, let me just say that again. The Bible says, don't forbid the speaking of tongues. But there's places that are saying don't do this. And then there are places that are saying you can't prophesy. And what what we need in America is a return to biblical Christianity and an embracing of the Spirit's work, even if it blows our mind, right? Even if it's outside of our box, even if there's like a loud noise that we're a little uncomfortable with, or, or it says the people, that a lot of people mocked them and said, these people are drunk. Why? Because the power of the Spirit's so on them and, and it's all of a sudden they're, they're stumbling around Right? There's always going to be mockers for revival, and there's always going to be persecutors. And my challenge to our church is let's not be on that side. Let's be the ones who embrace the Spirit of God. So, but here's my commitment to you as a pastor. We are into the Bible. Like I have so many more scriptures I want to share with you that I'm going to get to this morning because we love the Bible. So here's my commitment when revival comes, as the move of God comes, we are going to be rooted in the Bible. And that's why you need to be in the Bible so you don't reject what God's doing, right? So you understand, oh, this is how God moves. And if it gets weird, okay, and they, or, or if someone does something really off, we will lovingly, generously, and gently correct them and say, hey, it's not the, it's not the Bible. And so, here, here's what I found through the years. People reject revival, reject the move of God, because they're like, that was weird. Right? That was weird. And I'm like, oh, um, the Bible's weird. Like, a donkey talks to a person. That's weird. Like, the prophet, he, like, God told him to cook his food on manure. That's weird. Like, John the Baptist weird, right? So let's just make sure we're rooted in the Bible. And then and, and people are like, um, let, let, let me give you a few thoughts here because I, I wrote down wrong conclusions people can make in revival. Wrong conclusions people can make in revival. So let's just walk through this for a minute. I must not be as spiritual if something dramatic didn't happen to me. Well, I saw this person and there was some crazy thing and so I must not be spiritual. Can I tell you, so often, the most precious thing God's doing is in the heart. God's convicting us. Or he might, he, he might be speaking to you. Treasure what God does. And, and, and don't get intimidated because you saw someone have some crazy experience and you're not having that. No, God knows what to give each one of his children. Let's keep going. Uh, God must not love me as much as that other person who's experiencing him. No, God's crazy about you. He just knows what you need at this moment. Right, so, so don't doubt, I, I, I've seen uh, all kinds of people have this thought like, wow, that was amazing, but nothing's happening to me, so God doesn't love me. And I'm like, no, God loves you. As a father, I have a myriad of ways I express that to my children. 
How about this? Number three, uh, that person doesn't deserve to have God touching them, so it can't be God. Like, did you see that girl? Oh, my gosh. Uh, can I tell you, in a revival, we're going to have people coming into church wearing stuff that's not appropriate for church, right? Why? Because they're lost, right? They were never taught to wear something. So, and that's, we actually want those people to come, and then God's going to touch them, and don't, and don't be like, well, they don't deserve to be. Do you, I know what they were doing last weekend. No, but why? Because it's grace, right? It's, it's grace. Now, I'm not saying let's be sloppy and anyone do whatever. No, uh, the, uh, the pure in heart will see God. So I want to walk in holiness, but let's not say it's not God because God's touching some undeserved person because every person is undeserved, right? That's, that's grace. Number four, that person is acting out and drawing attention, so this whole thing must be fake. I can't tell you that everything that's gonna happen in this next move of God, I can't tell you everything that's happening this morning is all God. Why? Because there's people. There's people in the mix. People, people do weird things, right? And you're like, that was weird. And, and we're gonna be like, yeah, that person's weird. So just because someone does something in all people's search doesn't mean that it's God, right? And so, like I said, if it's sinful, if it hurts others, we're going we're gonna to gently, sweetly, generously correct it. And some things are going to be weird, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to watch it, because it's not sinful, it's just different. And so we need to watch and see, like, does this smell like Jesus? Does this feel like Jesus? Does this have fruit like Jesus? Right? And then some things he does, and you think it's weird. Like the first time I was ever in a revival meeting, people started like doubling over because the presence of God was so strong. And I'm like, that's not reverent. You need to sit straight up. Some people started, they had so much joy, they started laughing. And I'm like, no. Actually, my girlfriend looked at me and she goes, how dare them, she was Southern, how dare them laugh in my Savior's face. <laughs> I went, we'll get to the bottom of this. And last weekend, we were praying for a girl who had tons of affliction. She had been afflicted and so much pain and so much sorrow from her past. And we helped her get free from some of those actual demonic forces. And we didn't tell her anything. And she just, all of a sudden, she's smiling and chuckling and then belly laughing. And am I supposed to say, stop, no laughing in church. Actually, the Bible says when God re restored the people from, from Zion, we were like ones who dreamed, and our mouths were filled with laughter. That's the Bible. Okay, so let's make sure that, that we don't judge something when they're actually judging something that's biblical. Um, here's another one. That person looked like they were being afflicted by the enemy, not touched by God, so this whole thing is from the devil. Okay, what happens is the Spirit of God starts moving, and... The demonic oftentimes screeches or cries out, have you seen the ministry of Jesus? All of a sudden, someone's falling on the ground, frothing at the mouth, screaming because demons hate Jesus. So just because something, something happens like that and you're like, oh, that's not Jesus, you're right. But we're going to help them find Jesus. We're going to help them get free so they don't have to live. So much of the suicidal thoughts and attack that's going on, it's demonic. It's not just people that are a little depressed living in this world, and we want to help them get free. 
so much of addiction, not all of addiction, we need to walk out in community and discipleship, but I've seen so many people set free from addiction because they were demonically being afflicted. Okay, and so we wanna help them get free and there's gonna be some, some things that you're like, I don't think that's God, and you're right. Number six, this church is a mess. So many messy people, so this can't be from God. Right, I, I've had people, well, I thought that the first time I came into a church like this. I was like, you guys are weird. Um, here, here the, the scripture says where there's no, where there's no uh, livestock, the manger is empty. Where there's no livestock. So if you, if you take the people out, you can have a really clean barn. Okay? Um, here's, the, here's the modern interpretation. Where there's no people, there's no poop. <clears throat> so if you don't want a messy church, just get rid of the people. And, and if, you, if you don't want a messy church, then don't let people who don't know Jesus yet come in. And don't let people that know Jesus, because they're also messed up. So just because it's messy, it doesn't mean it's not God. And here's the last one. Things don't seem like an orderly service, and God is a God of order, so this cannot be from him. And my answer is read Acts 2. Okay? Um, it didn't look orderly when fire fell and was on each person's head. And when a crazy loud sound came through and then people started all speaking in tongues at the same time. And what was the result? The result was a great three. Actually, Peter stood up after that, preaches about you must repent and be baptized for the repentance of your sins. And 3,000 people were added in a moment. In a moment. So this is what Jesus wants to do. This is what he wants to do in our generation. This is what we're believing for. So let me just give you a, a couple more thoughts. We, let me tell you this. We can't make a revival come. So we're not going to fabricate it. We're not going to, we're not going to, uh, we, we can't make it happen if we, if we just sing revival 37 times with the drums beating really loud. It might be fun, but we can't make a revival come. But what can, what can we do? Number one, we can be hungry. And I just, I, I wanna say, church, let's be hungry. Let's be hungry, because the scripture says, blessed are those who hunger after righteousness, they'll be filled. Okay, number two, we can pray. Uh, wherever revival visits around the world, it's almost always to a praying people. So my encouragement, and, and this is what I've been trying to do, I've just been trying to spend extra time praying and saying, God, if you're moving at Asbury, if it moved on to these different states, then Lord, we want it here because our, our nation needs it and San Diego needs it and, and my family needs it and we want it, right? So we can pray, right? And then we can boldly share Jesus. This, this is a time, like I'm saying, where people are more receptive than I've ever seen them. And so I just encourage you, just start talking about Jesus. Now, here's the easiest way I found. Just ask people how, to, how you can pray for them. This is what I do. I'm sitting at, at a table, and someone comes and brings me my food, and I say, hey, I'm Robert. I love Jesus. How can I pray for you? Do you know that probably 19 out of 20 people say, oh, thank you, and tell me? Uh, and, and probably in my life of doing that literally thousands of times, I can probably count on one hand, how many people have been angry and rejected it? Now, it's happened, but it's like five to 10 times out of thousands. What I'm not telling you is that you need to be super religious. 
right? And you, you need to start preaching at them, right? What people need is to see that you love them. And if you don't love the lost yet, I, I just dare you, this is what I started doing. I started putting my hand on my heart and saying, God, break my heart for the lost. And he just started doing it. It's a, a prayer that's in line with his will and he's gonna do it for you. Here's the last one. We can embrace what God is doing. Open up yourself. When you're in a worship time and you feel the spirit start moving or touching you, just say more, Lord. When you hear about Asbury revival, don't say, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the Holy Spirit police. And I'm no, just say, God, if that's you, send it to me. And I'm excited about what's going on. And I don't, everything doesn't have to be perfect because people aren't perfect. So as long as people are in revival, revivals will be imperfect. But say, Lord, I embrace it and I want it. And if you're doing it there, do it in me. And God says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. That's all I have to say. I'll stand up.